This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, Show 22. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Greetings, everybody. I am Joshua Dorkin, the host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. I'm very excited to be here for show 22 and slightly less excited to be talking with my co host, Brandon Turner. <laughs> I am also slightly less excited to be talking with my co-host Josh Dorkin. How are you? I'm 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 okay, Brandon. Thanks. Uh, just okay. Yeah. Well, do you want, you know, do you want to cry I'm about stuck, it? Uh, uh, you know, I might. Uh, I, you I, were whining earlier about the fire and the smoke and all these things going on. <laughs> oh, life is so rough in Denver, where it's warm and not 35 and raining like it is here. <gasps> wow. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Somebody grew a pair. Okay. Okay. It's on, baby. It's on. Yeah, I don't know what I just unleashed, but <laughs> you unleashed the beast, man. <laughs> well, listen, man. Now I, I'm I'm super excited, of course, as always, to be here with Brandon. We've uh we've got a very cool show ahead. And uh let's kind of hop in and get to it. Before we do though, a couple things. Uh, really cool. We're actually up to now 272 five-star reviews on iTunes for the ooh, show. Ooh. 272, man. That's a, that's a pretty cool number. That is huge. I mean, yes. we like six months ago, we only had like zero. Look that's, at us today. You're a brilliant <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. No, but that, somebody, is, that is a really good I drill. am hiring a new co-host <laughs> if anybody's interested. <laughs> wow, wouldn't that be great to get fired from my co-hosting job right on the air? Wow, that would be awkward. Just a little bit. Awkward. Awkward. (laughs) Well, so we've got 272 five-star reviews, which is is pretty awesome. Uh, Also want to talk about a pretty cool thing that happened just yesterday. Uh, The BiggerPockets iPhone mobile app went live. And and, and this thing is pretty cool. You know, we've been working on it for for a while now. Uh, It is... It is definitely a version one. It's definitely a, a beta version. However, it's pretty cool. It's got lots of lots of good features. Many are still missing. Uh, we'll get to them. But if you've got an iPhone and uh, you want to follow the site, definitely download the app at biggerpockets.com slash app. Uh, or you could just go on the, the Apple Store and look up Bigger Pockets, uh, spelled Bigger Pockets without a space in between, of course. Uh, otherwise, I think we kind of wanted to do a quick tip. Good yes, job. we did. That was good. That was good. So listen, if you guys are not already in the habit, please go reach out to a new member each day on the forums and just say hello. You don't have to do much more. Obviously, saying more than just hello would be appropriate, engaging. <laughs> uh, but uh, you never know who you end up doing business with. So yeah, the, the whole point of the site is to reach out, meet new people, network. If you are not networking, uh, you're, you're, you're not using the site appropriately. And part of that is just engaging. So reach out, uh, touch someone, uh, meet a new person, and uh, ha- grow your business. Every day if you guys do this, l- look at what's going to happen in, in one year. You're going to have a lot of new friends. So make it happen. Yep. Is that, a, is that a good one? That is a great quick tip today, Josh Dorkin. Good job. All right, so let's let's move on to the show. Uh, today, 
we are sitting down with a really cool guy that a lot of you guys probably don't know, but he's he is really kicking backside, doing a ton of business, and uh, I'm I'm very excited to introduce him. Sitting down with a guy named Tucker Marahue, I believe is is the appropriate pronunciation. Is that correct, Brandon? That sounds good to me. Tucker is one of the bigger rehabbers, builders, and wholesalers in the uh, Portland, Oregon market. Uh, works with through his company TTM Development. Uh, they uh, they rehab and build over thirty houses a year and wholesale another twenty to thirty. Uh, this guy's got a really solid grasp on the world of lead generation and is going to share his strategies with us today on the Bigger Pockets podcast. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com slash VP. Connectinvest.com slash VP. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rent to retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. We need to double check with Zach, Rental Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to renttoretirement.com today. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six-month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. So without further ado, let's bring in Tucker. What's going on, Tucker? Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah, man. Well, listen, we're uh, we're definitely excited. You bring uh, you bring a little twist to uh, to the show. Uh, 
you know, we, we've talked about a lot, a lot of topics so far on the 21 episodes. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think we're going to reveal some new and interesting details today. So I'm excited. Um, why don't we jump right in and, uh, talk about how, uh, how you got started in real estate? Well, you know, let's see, I was in college and, uh, I was delivering Chinese food and <laughs> nice. I was, uh, searching for that job, I guess everybody wants when they leave college so that they feel like they've accomplished something in their four years. It wasn't and, delivering uh, Chinese food. No, that was the interim <laughs> gig. Oh, okay. <laughs> pretty well though. Good tips. Uh, but I got a, a job offer with one of the bigger investment, uh, I guess, firms in the Denver area. And, uh, right before they actually hired me, they had me come back and take a, uh, personality test. And I guess I failed. And so <laughs> they revoked the offer. And, uh, so I was, you know, college graduate delivering <laughs> Chinese food. So I saw a, uh, ad at that point for, uh, loan officers. They'd hire loan officers. This was back in uh, 2002 when, you know, anybody and everybody could slang loans. So, of course, I got into that, which you know ended up being a really good thing for me. Uh, it taught me the uh, financial side of the real estate business and uh, ultimately um, allowed me to start my own mortgage company, which I owned and operated for six years. Um, but that was kind of my lead into real estate. So you know, right out of college, I didn't really have another job other than delivering Chinese food. And um, then I got right into the mortgage side, bought my first house within about three months of being in the mortgage business. Um, it was kind of like the YMCA. I had, you know, one room for myself and all the other rooms were rented out to my buddies and, uh, yep. I'll pay the mortgage. And, uh, you know, about two and a half years later, I uh, sold that one at an 0506 at the top of the market, made a nice chunk of change. And that kind of springboarded me into, uh, buying a bunch of other houses. Nice. It was an experience. That's for sure. I mean, <laughs> I was, uh, I was the guy the neighborhood hated at that point. I didn't understand that because I was so young and, you know, partying all the time with all your buddies. But, uh, now I realize what a pain in the, you know, what I was for the neighborhood. So, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Now that's, that's awesome. But it was a good experience. I'm glad I got into it. I did learn a little bit about landlording. Um, fortunately I had some pretty good friends that didn't stiff me on rent too badly. And, nice. uh, we only had one guy that slept on the couch for an extended period, but we made him cook meals and clean the house, so it worked out. Nice. There you go. Got the boarding house up and running, right? <laughs> yep. Nice. Um, cool. So, so you you uh, you started in as a as a lender. Um, that, that it's interesting. It's it's one of those. You know, I know we've got plenty of lenders on the site who are always like, you know, I want to be an investor too, um, and. Uh, you know, it's kind of cool that, that you started that way. Was there anything in particular um, that, uh, that you found truly valuable? Obviously, uh, learning to evaluate deals uh, came in pretty handy. Uh, yeah, you know, un- understanding real estate financing is really, it's kind of like the big black box that, you know, nobody really understands that well unless you're in the industry. And it, it really kind of clarifies how everything works. So, you know, for that reason... I'm really glad that I got into the lending side first. It was kind of a tough transition though because for a while there the lending side of the business was so profitable that you know it was hard to kind of move on to you know the real estate investing side. And so uh, it took the crash in 0708 of the business for me to say, you know what? I need to devote my time fully to the investment side of the business and not so much to uh, the you know lending side. And so, you know, once I made that transition, it was it was a little tough at first, but once I did, I was very glad that I did. Oh, that's great. That's great. Is that your dog in the background barking? Yeah, around? do you want me to? <laughs> yeah, she doesn't like the little ankle biters next door, and I got uh, two big English mastiffs, so they, oh, nice. uh, they're they loud. 
Nice, nice. No, it's all it's all good. Just you know, just so everybody knows that you know, none of us are having a seizure in the background. It's a two hundred pound English mastiff. So wow, she's wow. a big girl. Wow, wow, wow. that's awesome. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, you're you're full time right now, right? Yeah, I've been full time since uh, about oh nine. Um, you know, I was buying probably a house at a time and flipping it, and I bought a bunch of rentals in between two thousand two and two thousand let's say nine. Um, I took a little bit of a hiatus from 07, 08. Um, the market was, you know, obviously in the dumps. And uh, I bought a couple turds, I guess you could call them, in uh, 07, right before the crash, which, you know, most of us that were in the game did. Gotcha. Well, t- what, tell us about those turds. Um, <laughs> never, well, thought I'd, never thought I'd be talking about turds on my real yeah, estate show. But, well, yeah. you know, <laughs> those of us that have been in the game that long, we've all done it. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, it was a good learning experience too, but, you know, I bought what I thought were great properties in great areas, but, uh, they ended up being, you know, much more valuable in 2007 than they are today. So, um, you know, I, I've held on to a number of them for a while and rented them out. Um, but it's been a, it's been a learning experience, like the gift that keeps on giving. So, well, were these, so were these deals that you were hoping to flip and, and you had to change your, uh, strategy or, or, you know, I was big into rentals for a while. Um, I liked, uh, the idea of, um, uh, some of these, they were actually condos, um, a couple of them, but they were in kind of higher end areas and, uh, they drew really good rents. Um, and there was very little that ever go wrong with them. So it made the landlording experience, you know, pretty easy for me. Yeah. But it was also kind of on the front end of my real estate investing, I guess, uh, career. And so I didn't really think it all the way through. I thought that there would be some appreciation potential and they were great tax write-offs at the same time. But, uh, you know, thinking back, it was probably a dumb idea to buy what I bought. But, uh, you know, you live and learn. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. Can I, can I dig a little bit and feel sure. free to? Um, so you, you, it sounds like you're still holding on to a couple of them, yeah? Uh, there's, well, full disclosure, there's two that I'm in the process of short selling right now. Okay. So, okay. um, this is something that I just had to happen at this point. And, um, you know, there comes a point where it's just a decision you got to make. So I've crossed that line and a lot of other people have too. Oh yeah. Nothing, listen, nothing, nothing wrong with it. It, it certainly happens to, to plenty of people. Um, so can I, can I ask, why? Why now versus say a year ago? If it's, it sounds like you know these were weren't the greatest of deals last year or potentially even the the year before. Um, was it you know kind of that? Hey, let me hold on a little longer and maybe it'll turn. Maybe it'll turn. And ultimately, you were tired of kind of you know spending money on a losing proposition. You know, our biggest problem here, the ones that uh, I had to ultimately short sale, it was uh, they were HOA problems and property tax issues. Um, our city likes to continually increase property taxes, even though property values are going down. So it became increasingly more expensive to hold these properties every month. That and the complex had a large number of defaults throughout it, um, which caused the HOA to kind of uh, have to up the dues to yep. make up for lost dues. So, yep. um, you know, over time, not only did the value go down, but the cost to hold went up exponentially. So it, uh, it just was not a good deal. No, I got you. Well, I, I used to live in a condo complex and uh, it experienced very, very similar stuff. Uh, you know, I, we had a board that went rogue, so to speak. I mean, they were, it was pretty much a, a dictatorship, which uh, was not fun. Uh, the uh, dues were just climbing out of control. 
I, I was, you know, I was very happily living in this building and, and ultimately decided to sell um, because I was very fearful um, of the, the decisions that the board was making. And, and I knew that ultimately uh, it would be detrimental to the uh, long-term uh, sanctity of my investment, so to speak. And, and so, you know, I, I bailed, um, you know, certainly uh, would have liked to have held on to that thing, but uh, the, the board really was the cause of it. And, and, and I think, you know, things like special assessments that, that boards like to throw out every once in a while, um, things like uh, raising dues are certainly some of the hazards of, of condo uh, investments. Um, and, and it sounds like we, we've both dealt with the negatives there, huh? Yeah, there there are a lot. You know, I've learned my lesson. We're in the process of, of flipping a condo unit right now, but uh, you know, I I guess I go into it my, with my eyes wide open now. I know what to look for, and and I like to be in and out of condos real quick these days. So that was going to be my my final question on the topic was, um, you know, I I would say the same thing. If I were going to get into condos, I probably would not do it, do it as a buy and hold personally because again, I've experienced the the true negatives of of uh, condo ownership. Um, but it seems like if, if you could get a, you know, get a good deal on a, on a, on a, on a unit, uh, if you can turn it, that's, that's probably a good opportunity. Yeah. We had one come into our, our lead funnel about, uh, I don't know, about three weeks ago. And it was just one of those where, you know, I, we don't even normally go look at condos when they come in, but you know, the guy gave us a price that he was looking for and it was just so cheap and we went and looked at it and it was literally paint and carpet. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to turn that down. Um, so we're, you know, it's two week rehab. We'll have it on the market next week and uh, we'll be in and out. Oh, so. Sounds great. That is one of the benefits of condos is that you're not looking at a 3000 square foot house no. that needs six months of work. So yeah, that's, that's cool. Well, you mentioned your lead funnel. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, we've got, I guess we could just kind of go into how my business is set up if you yeah. guys want to do that. Yeah, that'd um, be great. So, you know, it started out as just me uh, doing everything, uh, sending the mailers. We do a lot of direct mail, um, doing all of the online posting, um, taking the calls, going and seeing the sellers. And it just, it was way too much. And I would say it's way too much for anybody to do if you want to do this any more than kind of a onesie twosie, you know, um, amount of deals. Um, so I brought on a uh, acquisitions manager that um, ultimately turned into an acquisitions manager slash listing agent and a marketing manager. So now I have two guys in the office that pretty much deal with all the leads that come in. So we do a ton of direct mail. Uh, we do a lot of online marketing and uh, we drive them to two different numbers and as well as uh, you know the online ones come in through, uh, through our website. But uh, once they come in, uh, we've got a, a lead funneling system or a, a screening system where one of the guys in the office, it's his responsibility to check the messages, you know, take the calls, screen the sellers, find out what they want, find out if there's any uh, potential of there being a deal there. And then uh, they land on my desk if there are. I take a look at them. And uh, from there, we'll go out. We'll see the people. We'll shake their hand. We'll get to know them. And we'll try and put a deal together. That's cool. Well, let's talk about the direct mail a little more. You know, we talked a lot last week with uh, – uh, Jerry Puckett about that on uh, show mm-hmm. 21. And uh, so I'm just curious, what, what does your direct mail look like? I mean, do you use yellow letters, white postcards? We do a combination of things. Um, we do postcards, but we'll use, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's the every door direct mail system from the postal service. Yeah. And it's a great little 
technique to use if you want to saturate an area. So we have areas that we like to, you know, that we call it our hood. You know, we want every deal that comes out of it. And we don't get every deal, but we get a lot of them. And we'll use the every door direct mail system uh, with that. And what that is, is it's basically an oversized postcard that only costs you 14 cents to send. So it's significantly cheaper than other postcards. Uh, the only downfall is you have to hit every door. So we do those uh, when we're doing postcards. Um, other than that, we do a lot of letters. Is that is that a uh, the the fourteen cent? Is that discount only given uh, on a condition that that you're going to hit every every door? Is that kind of what it is? Yeah, you have to do every door. So they basically the reason why it's so cheap is they just put one for every door in the mail route. So they don't have to sift and sort it. They just put it on top of every door that they're delivering to. Gotcha. So the gotcha. downside then is you don't get to only choose people who are motivated, or you can't like you know sort your list, right? Exactly. But on the flip side, you know, we've gotten some deals out of that where they were people that we would have never thought to mail to. So yeah. you know, there's motivation in weird places sometimes, and and that helps us find it. What, what kind of? Good oh, sorry. Go ahead, Randy. Well, I was gonna say that's a good quote. I'm gonna put that in the show notes. <laughs> um, what what kind of messaging are you using on those? Uh, you know, with with the postcards, we try and do a little bit of uh, shock marketing, um, something that's not so boring and goes directly in the trash can. So I actually use my uh, my dogs, <laughs> the nice. two big English mastiffs, and one of the postcards it says uh, George buys houses, and it's got a picture of George on the phone. <laughs> and uh, the other one says that George eats realtors for breakfast or something like. That. <laughs> It's just funny marketing and, and we've had, you know, the houses we have bought from it, you know, they're from people that, you know, they're dog lovers. Obviously, this is Portland. There's a lot of dog lovers in Portland, so we're playing on that. But uh, they also, you know, just it, it stuck with them. It was something they remembered. It wasn't just your typical, you know, hey, I want to buy your house at 123 Main Street kind of thing. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Hey, I don't, I don't know if you'd be willing to, but if if so, we'd love to share share that with, with folks. Oh, yeah, that, that's fine. I'll put it up. That's no problem. Cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Which, which speaking of show notes, we are going to have the show notes at uh, biggerpockets.com slash 22. So, no, no, no. It's oh, I did it wrong again. Com slash show 22. But that's fine. Oh, I always do that. That's right. why we've got two hosts one to get it wrong and one to get it right. So, you know. <laughs> Thank you, it's Josh. Biggerpockets.com slash show 22. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> m- moving on. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, you talked about Portland, uh, that you're in that area. So I, I want to kind of touch on that real quick. I'm just kind of wondering, what is your market like there um, in, in Portland? You know, it's, it's not a cash flow rental market. So we'll start there. Um, we have lower end and we have higher end. Um, low end, you know, the cheapest house we've ever bought um, has been 46000 bucks, And it was like a shanty. Um, so I wouldn't even really call it a house, although we sold it to a guy and he flipped it and he made some, some money. So, you know, somebody else bought it as a real house. Um, but the high end, you know, we're doing a $2 million, uh, spec home right now. Um, so, you know, it just, it's a big variance. Um, but you know, you're, you're the, probably the median price is somewhere in the twos. Um, I would say, so you're not going to find those $40,000 turnkey houses that rent for 900 a month here. You're just not going to find it. So for that reason, you know, there really isn't a whole lot of hedge fund activity. Um, there isn't any major turnkey outfits. Um, so it's, you know, it's pretty much buy and flip, buy to live kind of, kind of market. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I think that's really important that you, you know, you, a lot of people come on bigger pockets and they, I don't know. They they see guys like me talking about I bought a house for you know thirty five thousand dollars and it's like oh man I can't get into real estate because I don't have that market 
and and probably I would say most of the U.S. doesn't have that market. I mean, most of the major areas, uh, you know, Seattle or Portland, L.A., New York, whatever, aren't going to be like that. So I think it's yeah. cool that you, you found a way to to make it work. And and Portland's a lot like Seattle, um, which you're probably pretty familiar with that market. Um, you know, it's just a smaller version. Uh, there's a you know, Seattle has a lot more higher end neighborhoods than Portland does. We've got you know, you can count them on one hand. So. Those are the ones that we try and fixate on for, you know, I guess our go big model. But, um, you know, Seattle is just a bigger version of Portland. How far out of the city do you, do you mail? We try to stay pretty close in. Um, you know, the Willamette River runs right down the middle of the city, and there's the west side and there's the east side. And most of our stuff is close in east side um, just because that's where the trendiest, you know, high-end neighborhoods are in Portland. Yep. Well, how that... So- so what do you look for? What do you look for in a uh, in a deal? Well, there's a couple different. I guess to go back to my business model, there's a couple different. Um, I guess angles that we take. One is, you know, your typical fixer type house, buy it, fix it, resell it. The other is the knockdown new build model, where we look for basically the smallest house in the nicest neighborhood, and uh, then we knock that house down and we build a new house. No, oh, okay. Nice, yeah, and I so, definitely want to get into that a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to say let's let's definitely uh, come back to to the spec building and 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 uh, the the teardown, so to speak. Um, so so yeah, I, I want to just jump back really quickly. We we talked about the direct mail. You also had mentioned uh, online. Uh, what are you guys doing for your uh, for your online marketing? What's what's the strategy there? You know, we do a lot of video. Um, we also have, I guess, your. Uh, <laughs> tip for the podcast. Here's your SEO tips is get a, uh, first get a website. Uh, you got to have a web presence. My suggestion would be get one that has a WordPress blog attached to it. Um, that way you can, you know, have, do blog posts every day, every other day, once a week. Um, when you do those blog posts, do them with a video. So you've got a video, a blog post, get yourself a Facebook page for your business, post those same videos and blog posts on Facebook and get yourself a YouTube channel and post those same uh, videos on YouTube. And uh, if you do that enough, you know, you're going to end up on page one. Uh, and that's, you know, without paying much money. I actually did some research before the show, and I actually went to in Google and typed in, like, something like, you know, we buy houses Portland or sell my house fast, and yours came up, I think, number one. So Yeah, we've got, you know, probably 20 different websites. Um, the other thing that we do is we have a website for every search domain. So, um, you know, sellhousefastportland.com, that's ours. Um, you know, sell house quickly, Portland, that's ours. So any uh, search phrase or keyword phrase that people search on a regular basis, we have that exact match domain. And so every time you search that keyword phrase for our area, we're the number one uh, choice because we match it exactly with our domain. That's so cool. that's another thing people could do in their markets, and it's, it's helped us get a lot of deals. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into something geeky here, which is a little SEO. Um, the my understanding is that Google has kind of uh, um, reduced the the uh, importance of Exact Match uh, over the past couple of years. Have you seen that negatively impact you? Um, you know, I'm sure it does in more competitive markets. Portland, you know, we only have a couple competitors online. Um, it's not, I guess, quite as evolved when it comes to real estate investing as some of the other markets. Um, you know, we're uh, we're probably one of the more thorough outfits in town. Whereas if you drop us in a Phoenix or something like that, there's probably guys that have much more sophisticated businesses than I do. Yeah. So, you know, it really just depends on where you're at. And so we haven't, 
had to work too much harder than what we already do to get those high rankings. But, you know, if we were in another market, we would probably get geeky and do all the things we need to do to stay number one. So nice. Nice. No, that's great. So how did you end up ultimately transitioning to uh, uh, the, the spec side? Let's let's talk about that a little bit. Well, we <laughs> we bought a house that we were going to rehab. And, uh, you know, we'd always we'd wanted to jump into the spec building side. We've seen a lot of builders that, um, not a lot, we saw a couple builders in the areas that we were operating in that seemed to be selling houses for like a hundred grand more than we were selling our finished rehab houses for. And it was just blowing me away what the prices people were getting for these new construction houses. So we bought a house in one of those areas. And uh, as it turns out, there was a sewer line that ran under the right side of the house, but it was the neighbor's sewer line. And they never got an easement for the sewer line to cross the property and run under the house. Well, over time, that sewer line was made out of terracotta pipe, which a lot of sewer line, old sewer lines in Portland were, and it started to crumble and break up. So a lot of that water and sewage and everything never made it to the main in the street. And so it was basically washing out under the house, which caused a major amount of erosion and ultimately caused the house to bow kind of like a rainbow. Wow. So we bought the house thinking we were going to rehab it and put some piers in the ground and, you know, kind of sure up the foundation. But, you know, the more we started thinking about it, uh, you know, it just didn't seem like a good idea to put 20 peers in the ground, you know, and try and sell a house to somebody on a retail level. We just figured they'd probably freak them out. So we decided to take the plunge at that point, knock the house down and build a new house. That's cool. There you go. Yeah. yeah it's that simple. <laughs> yep. Now we wanted to get into it before that, but that was kind of the, I guess the nudge that we needed to do it at that point in time, which ended up being a good thing. It, it was kind of scary at first, but you know, ultimately, it's just a few more things, so it it, it worked out well. Can can you uh, can you walk us through the process? I, I I know it might might take a couple minutes here, but you know, kind of the the step by step new construction, new home building process. Yeah, so it's you know virtually the same as rehabbing, except it's easier once you get to a certain point. So it's you basically you've got the existing house or a piece of land. Um, and you've either got to knock the house down or you've got to excavate for the foundation. So if you got a house on there, you got to knock the house down, then you have to excavate for the foundation. Um, and really you're just pouring foundation. And other than that, you know, it's the permitting process and getting that foundation poured and picking your plan. That's really the only difference between that and a major rehab. Now, do you, do you always have to, I'm, I'm obviously assuming you're going to need an architect to, to oh, yeah. sketch it up. Okay. And how does that work? Because uh, I think a lot of people probably have no idea, do, you know, what is, what does it cost uh, to hire an architect? Is it a percentage of, of um, the cost of the property? Is it just flat fee or how does that happen? You know, it varies on the architect that you get. A lot of them, you know, charge uh, per square foot of the house that they're designing for you. Um, that's kind of a, a way they do it, but it really varies. Um, you know, we've paid 33 grand, we've paid 12 grand for plans. So it just kind of, you know, it just kind of depends. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So what, what comes next then? So you, you find the architect, you get the plans together. Um, well, you find the lot, you then from there decide, you know, if you're going to knock the house down, you decide which plan you want to build. Um, you knock the house down, you take it to the architect, they finalize the plan, you get engineering done to the plan, which basically says, okay, what they designed will work. Uh, and then you take it down to the city and you go through the permitting process at the city, which can be a bit of a you know pain in the you-know-what, but um, you know it's just kind of a necessary evil in the process. How long does that process usually take for you, to, the permitting? I know every area uh, is different. It takes about 30 days here. 
That's um, not too bad. To that through. Um, so it's, it's not too bad, um, it, but it's just, you know, you got to go down to the city. You got to, you know, pull a ticket, wait in line, sit in front of people, go back over and over again sometimes. So, you know, it's a little bit, you know, time consuming and irritable, but, uh, you know, again, it's just kind of a necessary evil. On on that uh, on that go back stuff is is it essentially you've got the plan they they don't like a specific thing about it so they say hey go back draw make a change here you go make a change and then you have to resubmit is that essentially yeah it, okay. exactly they could be changes with the house um, or you know sometimes it's as uh, stupid as they want a tree put here in the in the planner in front of the house you know in the in the parking strip so I mean it really. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's why I say it could be trying on your patience at times. We just had a house that we finished that uh, closed last week, a new construction house, and uh, they wouldn't give us our building final because once you build the house, they have to go through and give you the final um, approval, which basically is the occupancy permit for the house. And they wouldn't give us our final occupancy permit until we planted uh, two trees in the backyard that were on the, the site plan. So <laughs> even though it had nothing to do with construction of the house, they wouldn't give us our final until we got the two trees in. So we had to have our landscaper run up there, put the trees in so that we could close the deal and get the oxygen. So, it's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. It uh, can be. Yeah, 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 for, for sure. So, Tucker, what do the typical, like, fi- uh, financials look like on these things? I mean, like, what do you buy them for? What do you sell them for? How much does it cost to build? You know, it, it, again, it varies. There's, there's people in town that do them in, in all different types of neighborhoods. Um, we've built in kind of the mid-range neighborhoods and the high-end neighborhoods, um, we try and stick to the high-end neighborhoods now because your your building costs are going to be what they are. Um, the only difference between the mid-range neighborhoods and the high-end neighborhoods is just you're paying a little bit more for the dirt, but your profit margins are significantly larger in the high-end neighborhoods because the ceiling is so much higher for the area. So I guess, for example, we built uh, in a mid-range neighborhood in Portland. We bought a lot about, I don't know, a year ago for uh, 110000 Um We built the house for about two sixty-five, and we sold the house for about, I believe it was five eighty-five. So that was kind of a mid-range um, neighborhood spread. Um, in our higher-end stuff, we tend to buy the lot somewhere between two fifty and three fifty. Uh, we build the houses anywhere between... 275 and 350 depending on whether or not we do a basement and then we'll sell them anywhere between you know 750 and a million wow that's that's not bad so it looks like a hundred grand plus margins on on any of those yeah i mean we're obviously they're pretty good size margins so definitely six-figure margins on this stuff which is why it's you know so appealing for a lot of people in the country right now are kind of looking at this model yeah interesting Interesting. well, let's talk, talk. You mentioned earlier something about a two million dollar flip. I mean, a uh, new construction. What exactly was that? So we're doing. Uh, we're actually building a house in uh, the 2013 Street of Dreams for Portland, which is kind of like the creme de la creme of building shows for Portland. Um, I, I think it's like that in most cities that have it. But uh, they basically get uh, the best builders in town every year, and they um, have them build a house on what they call the Street of Dreams, and so. This year, it's in a, a really great high-end area. They're all one-acre lots, and we built a 5,400-square-foot uh, custom home. It's going to be a spec house. We're one of only two spec houses in the whole development, which is good. Um, but it's, uh, it's a big 5,400-square-foot uh, house on a one-acre lot. It's got million-dollar views, and uh, we got to be done with it in a month <laughs> for the oh. show. Get moving, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, been, it's been some work, I'll tell you that, but it's going to be an amazing house. 
Well, well, so how, you know, you, you got into this, uh, you know, I know you're, you're wholesaling, you know, you're, you're, you're flipping suddenly now you're doing these spec builds. I think one of the biggest challenges, challenges that a lot of investors face is finding high quality, good quality, reliable contractors. Um, can we, can we chat about that a little bit? How, how'd you find your first contractor? Are they the same contractor you're using today? Um, well, you know, my model is a little bit different. I started out uh, hiring a contractor when we first started going kind of full-time into flipping houses back in 2009, uh, beginning of 2009. And, uh, you know, it, it worked out okay. Um, the guy, you know, he tried basically he tried to gouge me everywhere he could, which is pretty typical with any sort of, you know, house flipper contractor relationship. Um, so ultimately what happened was, is that, uh, we ended up getting our own contracting license. And so now we're our own builder contractor. So, um, my business is set up so that we basically have a marketing company, which is the guys in the office that I had previously talked about. And then we have the guys in the field, which, uh, you know, a couple project managers, uh, my wife is our, uh, our main project manager and designer. So we have kind of two businesses that run side by side. The marketing business basically feeds the construction business. Um, so we've got, you know, both the marketing side and the construction side. So you're, you're, you are your own GCs. Basically. Yes. We, we have our own general contracting license, so we are our own GC. Okay. And then what your, your subcontractors then, how did you end up finding those guys? I mean, you know, are they now internal or, or. No, they're all, um, you know, their own subcontractor, I guess. Um, they've just been guys that we've kind of run across over the years. Um, you know, some, some of them have, you know, been a rotating door, uh, but a lot of them have been the same guys. So, you know, when we find somebody that's good, uh, we make sure that we, we keep them. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it, uh, they, they make for better product at the end of the day and they make our lives a lot easier along the way. Do you have any advice on actually finding those guys? Where, where do you, you know, I, I know we, we always like to share the, a tip that Jay Scott uh, gave us about, you know, the best place to find a good contractor is going to Home Depot, what is it, 6 a.m. when it opens up and see who's, uh, see who's there. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe you've got your own. Uh, you know, I, I don't like to get up that early. So, <laughs> so I would suggest uh, that, you know, just network with who the who the big players are in your market and uh, just talk to one of the bigger rehabbers and ask them who they use for some of their subs. Yeah. Um, a lot of them will be happy to tell you, um, you know, letting you know who their subs are. They're not really that particular about keeping them just for them. Um, but, you know, they could probably give you some some referrals to some guys that are actually pretty good. So I would just network with the guys that are doing a lot of rehabs in your market and uh, see what they say. That would probably be the easiest way to do it. Yeah, I, I like to tell guys who I use because it looks it reflects well on me. Like my contractor likes me more, gives me a better deal because I give him more work by giving him referrals. So it's all it works really well that way. So Exactly. And if you got a great tile guy that does amazing tile work and, you know, you're willing to refer him just as you would anybody else. So yeah. I, I would say find the guys who are the biggest players in your market, network with them, get to know them a little bit and uh, ask them for a referral. And, you know, that way, at least they're tried and true. Yeah, that's great. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Your competitors are fighting for your customer's attention. So how do you stand out? Easy. Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Reach new audiences, grow your customer list, sell more, raise more, and fast-track your growth. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business through email and SMS marketing, social media, and even events management. Don't know much about marketing? Don't sweat it, because Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. And with my boot camps and live events, I just don't have the time to clone myself. So I just let Constant Contact do the marketing for me, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Say, uh, going back a little bit to, I uh, meant to ask this earlier, but how do you finance your, your deals? So at this point, we've kind of stockpiled quite a bit of uh, company capital. Um, you know, we've done, I don't know, somewhere between 120 and 140, you know, builds and flips. So, you know, that, that builds up quite a little war chest of cash. But uh, when that's out, um, we do use private money. And when we're out of private money, we'll go to hard money if we have to. Okay. So that's kind of the progression, I guess. 
Obviously, our cash is the cheapest, so we like to use that first. Private money is generally the second cheapest or the terms are the best. Um, and then hard money is hard money. So, uh, For those who don't know, do you want to just explain real quick the difference between private and hard? Yeah, so private money is basically, you know, comes from individuals that are in your sphere. Um, you know, from what I've heard, people pay anywhere between 6 and 12% on private money. Um, they either pay points or they don't. Um, in our case, you know, we pay pretty well to our private money lenders, but that's because we want them to be excited to lend on our deals. Uh, so we pay them a pretty high return and we pay them some points. But the biggest thing is for us is it, it accrues throughout the process. So on a cash flow basis, we don't have to pay out each month for a payment. Whereas with hard money, you know, you have to make your monthly payment each month to the hard money lender. So, you know, if, if you're taking a good size loan, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000 a month on a mortgage payment, you know, it's, yeah, that can be a big deal for a lot of people. So that, that's why private money is so much better than hard money um, because you don't have to make that payment throughout the process if you structure it that way. Yeah, that's a good tip. Um, the, I know that whenever I do a flip, that's always one of the hardest parts is, is that monthly payment. It just, it sucks every month. Yeah, it does. So, you know, private money is really the key to this business. You know, if you don't want to do, you know, any more than, you know, one flip at a time, um, you know, and if you find a private money lender that's got money and you can pay them a decent return, you know, and still make a great profit, you know, they're excited to lend on your projects and you're excited because you've got the ability to purchase stuff and, and you know, rehab it. So it's, you got to find private money if, if you want to, you know, do any sort of volume in this business. Gotcha. Nope. Gotcha. How many, how many projects are you, uh, you currently doing at a time you, you mentioned, you know, obviously being able to do more than one. Uh, it sounds like you do a few. Yeah. Yeah, we've probably got somewhere around 10 that are in process um, being built uh, that have been acquired. Um, we've got a number that are kind of with the Street of Dreams house. It's taken a lot of our uh, time and effort over the last few months to get this thing done because we have to be done by a certain date. And it's such a big house. So we've got, you know, probably three or four uh, new builds that are just kind of sitting on the sideline waiting for us to finish. And wow. then once we finish the Street of Dreams house, we'll start the, the new build process on these three or four spec houses that we've got just kind of hanging in the winds. But the, the, the good thing about those is that there's a house on the lots, so we're able to rent them out in the meantime. So we're generating cash flow out of these properties that ultimately we're going to knock down. So, you know, we get 1000 1200 a month out of all these houses. Um, so it's not a total loss. We get, you know, it, it's feeding the, the cash flow of the business each month while we're waiting. Do you have property management that takes care of them or do you do that in-house? You know, it varies. Most of them are property management managed. Um, I've got a good buddy in town that uh, I, we actually sell a lot of our wholesale deals to, um, and he also owns a property management company. So it works out to be a really good relationship. Um, you know, whenever we get one, I just call him up and say, hey, I got one, fill it. And um, it, it's a pretty easy process for me. I know a lot of people have had a little more of a struggle finding a property management company that's, you know, worth a crap um, in their areas. But Having a guy, and I got a guy, fortunately, um, makes it really easy. So, I got a guy. Got a guy that's in property <laughs> <business>. <laughs> He's a leg breaker. I got a guy. <laughs> um, no, that's, that's, that's really cool. And, and, and uh, you know, I think that speaks to uh, having various exit strategies, so to speak, uh, happening at the same time. You know, you, you know, even though renting out isn't necessarily an exit strategy, it's kind of a good transition strategy while, uh, you know, while you're holding. Yeah. And, you know, we've got one right now that we've been renting. It's in a, a nice, um, probably mid to higher end neighborhood of Portland. And originally we were going to knock it down and build new, but since we bought it, the market has turned quite a bit here. So, you know, that's one where we'll probably just go in and paint it and do a light rehab on it and sell it, uh, because our profit margin will be, you know, maybe two thirds of what it would be if we built new. So, you know, uh, we've, 
definitely felt the market improve here and that's kind of changed i guess uh we've chosen plan b at least on one of our projects now i have a question for you um a lot of people when they got into the spec building back you know 10 years ago and then the market dropped you know a lot of the problems a lot of the foreclosures and stuff happened with people who are spec building like what do you do to prepare for that in the future are you just watching the market or you know, we watch the market really carefully, but we also only take on these longer term projects because, you know, spec building is a six month endeavor. So, you know, you're in it six months. There is no speeding that up. So, you, you know, you're pretty much married to this thing for six months before you can dump it. Um, we try and stick to the A plus neighborhoods. So that's our first layer of insulation. The second one is, you know, we're building with pretty high margins. So even if the market takes a 10% shift, it's still a successful project for us, even if we have to drop the price 10%. So, you know, I, I, is the market going to drop more than 10% in six months? Probably not. But, you know, if it does drop 10%, we can still get out and make some money. Okay. Yeah, that's really good. Um, we talked about wholesaling at the beginning of this a little bit, and then you just mentioned it again. So why don't we kind of loop back around to that again? And you said sure. are you, you're still wholesaling, right? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, obviously the key to us continually finding deals is that we have to have our marketing machine cranking all the time. So I guess to get back to a little bit of our direct mail, um, we do the everyday direct mail or every door direct mail postcards, but we also do a lot of letters and we've got two full-time uh, letter writers in our office. So we've got guys that are writing handwritten letters every day. Um, and so we send those out to those areas that we want to exactly that we want to um, saturate with those. And uh, it generates a lot of leads for us. So we buy up everything that we can buy and build and, and also renovate. And then once we reach our max capacity, we're at wholesale. So we wholesale everything else that comes through. So that, um, uh, you know, that's kind of, I guess, the wholesale outlet. And uh, we've been doing that for, you know, uh, probably since 2010, we've been wholesaling fairly consistently, and we've got you know the same group of buyers that generally buy from us all the time because they don't have that machine that generates deals for them. And right now, you've got you know pretty much no inventory. MLS is you know hard to get deals on. So, no, that's cool. Yeah, you know it's 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 funny because you know I was my question was was exactly what Brandon asked. Why are you still wholesaling? Um, and then it, it got me thinking when you're talking here, you know. So many, uh, so many real estate investors, particularly new investors, uh, you know, they're they're so fearful of other real estate investors. You know, they're afraid that they're going to steal their deals. They're afraid they're going to take their business away. And you know, you're you're a prime example of why you have to network and know everybody because you know you're kicking backside. You know, you're you're doing your specs. You got your rehabs, and you've got this massive lead funnel that's that's crushing it. But you know, no matter what, you're not, you're not going to be working on 40, 50 projects at a time. So you've got all this excess inventory that you still can monetize. You're not going to just lead, let the leads go, go away. You're pitching them out and you're wholesaling and you're, you're making side cash, you know, on top of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you got to keep your momentum up. If you stop marketing, you lose your momentum and you lose your deal flow. So, you know, we keep that marketing, you know, machine cranking all the time. And, you know, we, we've, we know everybody in town that's, you know, does this with any sort of regularity and even some of them that are kind of onesie twosies. Um, so we've been selling to the same guys for years. And, you know, like you said, you know, some people are afraid of their competition and we, you know, we, we know them all and, you know, we we're on, you know, texting cell phone, you know, basis with them. So, you know, they give us a call most days asking us what we've got for them. And if we got something, we tell them if we don't, we tell them we'll get them something. So, well, I think you said something key there, and and that is you have a small group of 
uh, people who buy most of your deals. And I think a lot of gurus and other guys try to say you need to build your buyers list, build your buyers list. And like it's some like, you know, 400 line Excel sheet of buyers. But in reality, I mean, you need a small group of people who can actually complete those. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the fact anybody says you need 50, 100 buyers, I mean, it's just ludicrous. You don't need that at all. I mean, you're just going to be wasting your time with most of them. If you have, you know, five guys that, you know, all do a slightly different business model when it comes to rehabbing, that's all you need because you're going to get different types of leads in. And so some guy might like the big rehab that's got a little bit bigger margin on it. The other guy might like just painting carpets that makes, you know, 15 grand on the rehab you know, that might be his thing. So when we get deals in that we're going to wholesale, you know, I know immediately, okay, which one does this fit with the best? And we'll usually take it to them. Got it. So, so for a new wholesaler, you know, for somebody who's just starting to kind of crank out their, their marketing machine and, and get the ball moving, um, you know, finding, finding out who that, those five people are is, is certainly not something that's going to happen immediately. Um, what, what advice do you have for, for those guys for filtering through the, uh, you know, the, the time wasters, the, you know, uh, the, the guys who are just full of it and, and actually, uh, finding those people who deliver. You know, there's a guy in our market that, um, you know, I, I bought deals from and we're actually co-wholesaling a deal today and he was a newer wholesaler and he's, you know, starting to get some traction and he's making some good money and he's getting some pretty good deal flow. But his strategy, and I think this is a really smart one, is just network with, you know, the the players in your market. You know, find the guys that are doing a lot of rehabs, you know, like us or somebody else in another market and go network with them. They'll be your buyer. <laughs> you know, they'll, if you get a deal, they're happy to pay you some money to take the deal over. And that's exactly what's happened with this guy. And he's found another guy in my market too, that he sells to. And, you know, he's having a lot of success just selling to two guys that, uh, you know, do a lot of rehabbing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because today on this, uh, on the site, somebody had posted, um, an ad on bigger pockets, of course, um, that they've got this, this property for sale. And, you know, I, I asked a couple of questions. I asked, you know, Hey, you know, tell us about the numbers and, and, you know, they were super shy. They didn't want to answer their, any, any questions on the numbers. You know, do you own this? You know, are you wholesaling? You know, top secret on that as well. And, you know, I, I think, again, it speaks to, to this kind of fearful wholesaler mentality that, you know, people are going to kind of might steal from them or might take their deals. Um, you know, can, can you maybe talk to that a little bit about, you know, the, the security of, you know, your, your wholesale contracts and, and how to protect yourself? You know, again, it just comes down to the guys that you're selling to. You know, we, we like to do business with guys that like to do business with us. So, for example, the one that we're co-wholesaling today, um, you know, I was straight up honest with the guy who's buying it. You know, I even introduced him to the guy that we're co-wholesaling with. I mean, we walked the house together. I told him what our spread's going to be. I told him what we're making. Um, you know, as long as you're doing business with people that you like to do business with, you know, they're not going to go behind your back and screw you. You know, they, they want you to bring them the next deal. I mean, this guy, there's no way that he'd ever screw us because, you know, we've been feeding him deals for a while and he wants us to bring them more in the future. So, you know, why sever that relationship over one deal? So I think it's a really short-sighted strategy if people do do that. And I don't think they're going to be long-term in this business. So, you know, if somebody's doing that, just ax them, get them off your buyer's list. That's funny. I said the same thing to Brandon. I said, you know, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be around very long if he if he keeps it up. You, you know, you've, you've got to establish some sense of credibility for yourself by being honest and upfront. Um, not that I'm saying he's not being, this particular person's being dishonest, but they're not being transparent. And I think some level of transparency is definitely required in order to build your credibility. 
Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a small community in every city. Some are smaller than others, but of real estate investors. So, you know, if you got a crappy reputation, it gets around the circle pretty quick. So, you know, just operate with a high level of integrity and, you know, work with people that do the same. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Uh, Well, cool. Well, one of the last questions I wanted to ask, um, and again, we're kind of jumping around a little bit today, so I you know, apologize to all the listeners, but I just want to make sure I ask this. is When you're either flipping with your wholesaling, if you're spec building, in your particular market, what are what are people looking for that you found? Like specifically, is there any kind of like they're looking for this size house or a pool or a, you know, what are they looking for? Yeah, on a retail end? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so for on a retail end, when we build houses, um, we try and do pretty open floor plans. That's one thing that's different from the rehabs is we do an open floor plan. Um, we'll do you know either master on the main or master upstairs. Um, we try and keep the bedrooms fairly close to the master, so if they have small kids, uh, they're not too far away. Um, we always do a garage. Garages are key. Um, and uh, one thing that we learned in some of the higher end neighborhoods is uh, we always do a basement. So uh, we had one house that we built in a higher end neighborhood, and uh, we probably sold it for a hundred grand less than we could have if we just put a basement in there. And uh, the reason for that is, is because every other house in the neighborhood has a basement because they're older homes, and so people just walk into the house and they expect it to have it. So um, that's a few of the things that we do to kind of make sure that things sell. That and our design touches, we we're really really good with design. Um, that's one thing that sets us apart from a lot of the other guys in our market. And uh, you know, we have a lot of copycat guys that you know, copy us because of that. But, uh, you know, I guess, uh, imitation is the finest form of flattery, right? <laughs> sure. Now those are design touches, obviously on the, on the actual construction as well it, itself. Uh, presumably you're, you're also doing a fair amount of staging as well. Yes. Yeah. We, we fully stage all our houses, but when I say design touches, I mean, you know, all the surfaces, paint colors, um, you know, trim packages, doors, um, cabinet details, all the stuff that, uh, you know, buyers see when they go in the house. Gotcha. This is gotcha. Kind, of a, kind of a weird question, but where do you get materials from? Do you just go to Home Depot and buy them all, like for a spec house? <laughs> no, we don't. Um, you know, that's the thing we try and shy away from because we're selling. You know, a lot of these are seven, eight hundred, nine hundred million dollar homes. So you know, you don't want to get the surface mount light at Home Depot and put <laughs> in all the rooms because you'll look like you know <laughs> you probably don't belong in that price point. So, you know, we, we order all of our stuff specific from vendors that are, you know, a lighting uh, supply company or, you know, we've got um, uh, a doors and trim uh, outfit that just sells doors, trims and windows. So we'll, you know, we'll buy from them. So we have a, a vendor for each specific product, which gives us a lot more um, variance in what we can choose to put in the houses. Yeah, that's now, cool. are you, are you, uh, obviously it, it sounds like beyond just quality and choice, uh, you're also probably getting a discount um, working through these direct vendors uh, versus going to, to Home Depot, or, or is that not the case? You know, Home Depot prices are pretty good. Um, yeah. You know, some of our stuff is definitely cheaper because we've got a, you know, uh, Oregon construction contractor's license. So, you know, we're basically buying at contractor prices through a lot of these vendors. So, uh, you know, but, but Home Depot does have a good deal on a lot of stuff. I mean, sometimes their tile is cheaper than anywhere else. So, hey, on the, on the contractor license thing, um, you know that that seems like it might be uh, pretty useful for for guys who are flipping uh, spec building, obviously. Uh, but uh, you know, is that something that you you think you know a guy who's going and you know flipping a couple houses a year is going to benefit from uh, from getting? Well, in our market, I believe this is still the rule. But if you do five houses or more a year, legally you have to have a contractor's license. 
So that's the initial reason why we got it. Um, so, you know, if you do, you know, even if you're just kind of a small time guy, legally you have to have that construction contractor's license. Now there's a lot of guys that operate without it, but they should be getting it. Um, and so that, that kind of made the decision for us here, at least here. Nice, um, nice, nice. Cool. Well, listen, I mean, lots of really interesting information. I, I, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's so many, so many uh, investors who are sitting and, and, and thinking, you know, what, well, I'm going to wholesale, I'm going to flip, you know, they, they don't ever even consider the, the idea of, of spec building. They, they think it's this, this uh, unreachable, untenable thing. And, you know, I, I think you're kind of bringing it, uh, I mean, certainly, you know, it's not, it's not something you want to jump into as your first, uh, first task in real estate. But, you know, it, it, it seems a little more realistic, I think, after, after hearing you kind of go through you know, how you've kind of developed your team and, and built your processes. And, and, you know, even though it's a six-month project, you know, even just putting together a house, I mean, it seems, seems like something people can aspire to. Yeah, you know, it's, you just got to, you got to crawl before you walk. So, you know, you start out, wholesale a few deals, get comfortable with getting your deal flow up, maybe partner with a rehabber in town um, that you're selling to on a deal, uh, see how the rehab goes, and then maybe eventually you jump out on your own, you do your own rehab, and then you just kind of grow it from there. So, you know, that that would be the process that I would take if I was starting over. And and you said partner with a rehabber. How how exactly might they, they actually do that if, if they're just, you know, just a wholesaler who doesn't have too much experience? Um, well, like I said before, you want to kind of find the guys in your market that you can sell to. Um, you know, inventory is hard to find right now. So, you know, everybody wants a deal. So if you can find a deal as a wholesaler, bring it to a rehabber, you know, instead of wholesaling to them and taking a spread off the top, partner with them to some extent and, you know, have them teach you how, how the rehab game works. Follow, you know, follow him around, go to the property, you see what he's doing. Um, you know, they'd be happy to do that. I, I know, you know, a guy in my market that's doing that, you know, not only with me, but with another guy as well. And, you know, that's how he's kind of getting back into the rehab game. So it's, it, it's a great tactic. It, 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 you know, takes a lot of the risk off your shoulders. You can kind of piggyback onto somebody else at the same time learn. So that's great advice. Very, very good advice. Well, listen, as, as we, as we run out of time, we, we've got, uh, we've got our famous, uh, famous, famous for. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, by the way, as I sit here and look at you, it's it's kind of tripping me out here, Tucker. I, I I feel like I'm having a conversation with Matt Damon. It's it's uh. It's been <laughs> uh but we were at a house two days ago, got a contract, and everybody said the same thing and made me really uncomfortable. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's not funny. like man love that I have for you or anything. It's just <laughs> one of these, you know. Okay. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Damon. Uh, this is this could be cool. This could be cool. Um, <laughs> I've gotten it a lot. The beard kind of deflects it a little bit, but uh, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Nice. That's <laughs> nice. Nice. We all have our doppelgangers. Um, yeah, Josh. He might not want to admit it, but he looks exactly like uh, Adam Levine from Maroon Five. So you know, now that you say it, I see the resemblance. Yeah, and and you don't want me singing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's 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 knock out this famous four. What is your uh, what's your favorite real estate book? You know, I wouldn't say I have a necessarily a favorite a favorite. I, you know, I like reading the Trump books. I've read them, you know, a number of times. Uh, you know, I'm just I haven't found any real estate books that are overly specific that are mass produced. So, you know, that's kind of the biggest thing. I, I like to read stuff that's tangible and usable in my business, and it's really the only place you find that is through people and conversations and blogs at bigger pockets and Woo-hoo! places like that. So 
Nice plug, and he wasn't paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, What about non real estate? Just business uh, business book. Uh, you know, probably my favorite book is uh, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Uh, that was a pretty powerful book. Uh, you know, it's a lot of it's intuitive information, but uh, to ha- have it, you know, read it and have somebody else, you know, kind of explain it to you, it, it makes a lot more sense. So that that's probably the book that I've put to use the most, I guess, in my life and in my business. Uh, right on, right on. And you're up in uh, Portland. Uh, so uh, hobbies, you, you windsurfing the gorge, skiing <laughs> Mount Hood, you know, uh, rock climbing. What are you, what are you doing up there? You know, I enjoy snowboarding a lot. I've been doing that my whole life. Uh, play a lot of basketball. I like golf, golf this weekend. So, you know, those are probably the big three, I would say. Nice. That and my dogs. I've got two big dogs. So, you know, I hang out with them. All. <laughs> That's cool. Hey, uh, all right. So final question for the day. Um, and I, you know, I asked this to everyone, what do you think sets apart the successful investors from those who just come and go quickly and never, or never really get started? You know, momentum, you got to keep your momentum up. Um, you know, people start and stop all the time and it's hard to achieve success in this business. If you're starting and stopping, you got to keep your momentum up. So if you start marketing, keep marketing, you start rehabbing, keep rehabbing. So that's what I would say. That's an awesome tip. That's I nobody has ever said that, but that's so true. Yeah, I was gonna guess you were gonna say something along those lines. You you seem like the guy who just like yeah. I mean, you're 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 a train, and and that's and that's <laughs> it's awesome. A, a bad thing, but yeah, you know, we just kind of set our mind to stuff and we do it, you know. And that's just the way you got to be in this business. It's not an easy business some days, but it's really rewarding. So you just gotta you know put a go out there and go get it. Nice, nice. All right, man. So. Where can uh, where can people find out more about you? Uh, we're obviously uh, we got the bio and stuff on the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show twenty two show twenty two. Uh, sh- you know they can find me on Facebook. <laughs> uh, that would be probably the best way. Uh, we I've got a number of pages, but you can just go to my profile, um, and from there you can kind of go to the different pages and follow our business and uh, see what we're buying and selling every day. And you're also on Bigger Pockets. Yes, and I'm also on Bigger Pockets. So you can find me there. I've connected with a lot of people there. It's been a lot of fun. So. Find me there. Find me on Facebook. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. All right, man. Well, listen, Tucker, it's been uh, it's been great having you on the show. We definitely appreciate the time. And uh, we'll all look forward to seeing you around uh, the site and Facebook. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, Tucker. All right, everybody. That was today's show with Tucker Merrihue, Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 22. Uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. I know I know when I get done with these things, and Brandon and I talk about this all the time, I'm, I'm super motivated. And it's funny. It's like each new show, I'm like, oh, I got to go do more wholesales. Or, or in today's show, I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to go out there and uh, start spec building, whatever it is. Hopefully, you guys are getting the same vibe, the same energy, the same feeling as, as, as he, uh, Brandon and I are from, from doing these uh, shows. And uh, obviously, we, we hope you will uh, continue listening. Uh, our show notes for those of you guys who might have missed it can be found at biggerpockets.com slash show 22. Otherwise, um, definitely make sure to uh, join us on Bigger Pockets if you're not already a member. Get on, sign up, set up a profile, get engaged, get involved. Crazy. We had almost 900 forum posts in the past 24 hours. Uh, so this site is crazy lighting up with energy and, and activity. Definitely get involved. Uh, otherwise, Make sure you find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash biggerpockets on YouTube 
at youtube.com slash biggerpockets. Check out the channel. We got lots of cool videos, interviews, all sorts of great stuff. And Twitter at twitter.com slash jrdorkin. Oh, wait. <laughs> twitter.com slash biggerpockets. You can check me out at twitter.com slash jrdorkin. And you can check out Brandon at brandon at bp. Uh, thank you again for listening. And uh, we will catch you around at the next one. I'm Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R, today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.